1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everybody. It's a special day, first day in full pads for USC Fall Camp. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions for the show, appreciate it. Send them in. Podcast at USCfootball.com is the email address. If you would like to call and leave a voicemail or text us, we have a number, 424 254 9141. You can call and leave a voicemail, like I said, or you can text us and we will read or play your voicemail or text on the air and do our best to answer your questions. So we love the feedback. Uh, thanks so much for sending all that stuff in. We get questions every week for the coach, we get it for Dan, for me, whoever. So uh, send them in, keep them coming. And we'll talk about what we've seen out there. And we've got to talk with the Coach Harvey Hyde because he knows what's going on. What's up, Coach? How are you doing?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. We're getting closer to now where it becomes contact time for all the colleges in the country. And I'm excited about that because this is when you find out how good of a football team you can be and where have you progressed as far as through the non-PAT situation. And, you know, move on and uh, you see how people react when they were – Full uniforms, it's a little bit different when you're not carrying the full uniform and you have different ranges, and uh, some players carry the uniform better than others. And uh, when you tackle, you know, some people now tackle a little bit different, and you have a chance now to teach, too, how to tackle properly. You've got to learn how to tackle properly. And this is why I really don't like why they uh, cut the practices from 29 to 25 because that's 4 days of working on how you learn how to tackle. You don't so take a kid and change him overnight, but uh, they've done that and I think there'll be some changes to the rule on, on that next year.
1: Yeah, there's changes every year. Um and we'll see how that gets developed. I know at Pac-12 Media Day last year some of the coaches didn't like that they were getting rid of, you know, getting rid of two a days, so all that kind of stuff. So there's they're constantly tweaking you know, trying to make things safer, but just because you make change a rule with the intention to make something safer doesn't necessarily mean that you're accomplishing that. You might be doing the opposite. Who knows? But um, we wanted to thank our sponsor here before we jump into everything, Coach, because we have a lot to talk about today. Southern California tickets. Uh, go to SoCalTix.com or give them a call at 800-888-7287. Uh, you want to see the Dodgers? You want to go see the Angels? You want to see... Baseball teams around the country, of course, Football starting soon. If you want to get football tickets, you can do that at Southern California Tickets. If you want to go to play or something, too, you can do that. But it's hard to think about that when you're talking about football season and just being right around the corner. So Southern California Tickets has been helping us for many years. So go to SoCalTix.com, and they will take care of you. Um, coach, so four days into fall camp, they had two, two practices, uh, Friday, Saturday, no pads, took Sunday off. Then the last two days, Monday, Tuesday, uh, full pad, I mean, not full pads, half pads, so shells. And today, Wednesday, when we go in uh, later on, it will be the first day in full pads. So before we kind of jump into all that, I wanted to get your thoughts on any kind of the news and notes uh, from the first four days of, of practice. Anything surprising to you? Anything stood out to you?
0: Well, I think uh, that the team has come together. Of course, obviously, they have a lot of en- en- energy at this time of the year, but they're not tired yet, and they're all trying to impress the coaches and impress their their players uh, or their teammates as far as uh, they do have the ability to play. And everybody's sort of t- trying to fight to keep their position if they have a starting position. And guys that are battling for a starting position are, are really working hard and trying to outdo and outshine and do the correct things uh, on the field, off the field, in meetings, be on time, don't miss me- uh, meals, the whole thing. Because it all comes down to if two players are tied, uh, then the guy that's made the best effort uh, is going to be the one that starts. And as I've always said this, and, uh, and I think a lot of people are saying this too now, is uh, the team knows who the best players are. And they want the best players on the field in the right position. And I think uh, you're hearing uh, Pentagrass say that, too, as far as not knowing where some players are going to play, but they're going to be on the starting unit because you want your best players on the offensive unit, the defensive unit, and also on special teams because that's the way you get it done. But I think that, uh, you know, there's been a couple of injuries that people talk about, and that's always that always has, happens, ticks and bruises and so on that If there's nobody that's got a torn meniscus or somebody, you're okay. Those things happen. I mean, those things happen in the old days. You didn't take a day off. And I think a lot of our players out there that have played football know that. It's wrap it off and run it off. You know, wrap it up and run it off or go put some analgesic balm on it or go get in the tub. But those days aren't around anymore because everybody, too, is very cautious about further injury and injury. So, uh, you know, you'll get those type of things. Uh, Porter Justin, a little bruised yesterday, but that's all it is. Uh, he felt a tweak, and those tweaks will happen. Uh, once he gets finds out there's nothing wrong with him, he'll be back out there. Hamstrings, you don't want those to become a major hamstring, so you sort of nurse it a while and give it a lot of rehab until you get back and ready to go. And if you're a player, you better get out there because you're going to lose your starting position, or if you're going to compete for a starting position, you're not going to do it on the sidelines. So you're going through all of those things now. You've got to be careful when you go live and do the scrimmages and do some of the drills that they are doing because one player, I always used to call a player a half-speed All-American, when uh, you're not in full pads, wants to make a play and does it at the wrong time and shoves someone and that person falls over someone and someone gets hurt. So you've got to all be on the same page as when to stay up, uh, when to not hit. When to do the right things, and you'll get through camp. But now it counts, and you've got to be smart now too when you're in
1: full pads. You do have to be smart, and that's going to start uh, this afternoon. I wanted to talk about that, but the the Porter Gustin injury—you know—we don't know what it is. He had an MRI last night. We're going to find out later today. You know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, uh, we already know. But we'll we'll most likely find out when Clay Helton um, addresses the media after Wednesday's practice, but you know he goes down uh, the trainers look at him he has to get carted off the field uh Keely your uh, you know was leaving practice our you know our video reporter and she saw him you know with the brace on and looked at you know seemed to be walking okay so i i think a lot of the usc fans probably share your optimism coach that it's not going to be that big of a deal maybe he misses some time but you know obviously we have to wait for the what you know the report from the medical team to to see what's going on but something like that when you have a player that represents you at Pac-12 media day that's leading the charge as far as nutrition and workouts and all you know he's he's doing it more than anybody and was injured all last year or most of all last year and worked so hard to come back does that hurt the morale of a team when you see you know a kind of a, a leader like that go down with any kind of injury
0: well it affects everybody but you certainly don't want to lose your uh leading players and best players on the football team, but he's a little bit more cautious, as you mentioned, Ryan, because of the injury last year, and he shouldn't have played in the se- second game, or he played too long uh, when he had the toe surgery, and it uh, uh, ended his entire season. So he's more conscious of that now than ever before, and he doesn't want to you know, tweak it more, or if it is something, uh, don't hurt it more. So he's going to be extra careful. I think he is, because I think during this period of time, you do not want to do something that will cut your senior year down uh, and hurt you where you can't play. So, you know, he's a body guy anyway. You know that he's he knows every inch of his body. He works out hard. He knows his body and his body told him something wasn't right, as he said. And he felt it was better to get it confirmed by the medical staff that he's okay. uh, but I think he ought to be very cautious on how he wears his uniform and make sure he wears the protective equipment that he should wear. Uh, he doesn't necessarily cover up his body that much. And uh, as if you go to practice, you'll recognize his shorts are real short. He doesn't have any knee type of protection whatsoever, not that you can in shorts. But you've got to be careful to protect your certain parts of your body that you don't uh, are more access to injury than what you would be, and if you if you're in full pads. But I'm sure he's going to be okay. And you know, and 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 he didn't want to walk it off. And a lot of times you can walk it off and you'll be okay. But he wanted to get reassurance from the training staff that he's okay.
1: Yeah, and I think you know when you see something like that happen, and you mentioned the hamstring for Cameron Smith, um, who's missed a couple practices, and you know those are the two guys. Like I mentioned, Pac-12 Media Day two veterans on the in the linebacker core i guess the benefit of something like that is you know how much do you really need to see from them you'd like to get them you know back in the football speed and everything but it does give a lot of opportunities for some of these younger players and bringing in six linebackers in this recruited class and um you know four and five star guys all over the place and the fact that they're two spotting running you know two drills at once you know with the Two different offenses, two different defenses at the same time to get more reps in. It just gives these guys, some of the younger guys, a lot more of an opportunity. And, you know, maybe they work themselves into that rotation that Clancy Pendergast seems to be leaning towards more now this year. I don't know. But, I mean, sometimes you have to find the silver lining, I guess, Coach.
0: No, I agree with you. You want to evaluate your, your talent, especially your new talent. Make sure you have the right players on the field. The only way it hurts you as a defense is uh, the conditioning of these two guys. You know, you've got to stay in shape. You've got to be able to go full speed because every uh, sequence or every down distance situation is in three and out. So you've got to be able to keep your timing as far as not over pursuing, how to pass rush, how to cover. you missed a little bit of the technique time when you need that as far as conditioning. So you want to try to get the players back as soon as you can they don't necessarily have to hit, but they've got to be participating in the practices so that they demonstrate to the younger players that, uh, you know, we've talked about this all the time, uh, you got to be physical, you got to be tough, and uh, you can't just sit out all the time. And I'm not saying these guys have hangnails. These two don't have hangnails. But again, you want to make sure, as we've discussed, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama and these guys... You want to make sure that the kids are ready to play and they don't uh, try to look for ways to get out of practice. They look to ways to get into practice.
1: The, uh, I mentioned um, two-spotting, Coach, and I, that was a term that Clay Helton used. Um, and so essentially what they have is they have enough depth now where if they they did some with 7-on-7, seven seven, but they're doing more like full-team things now where you'll have two full offenses and two full defenses and let them run drills At the same time, basically start in the middle of the field and go in different directions. Um, Have you done stuff like that before? And, you know, they can obviously film everything and kind of go back and look at it. It's hard for coaches to watch two different you know groups of players at once real time. But and it's hard for us when we're trying to figure out what's going on because there's two plays going on at once. But what do you think about that kind of strategy? And is it a good sign? Because it obviously means USC has a lot more depth than they've had before.
0: Well, he's not inventing the We we've done that for years. Especially when you have a lot of depth, you want to get a lot of turns. You don't want to coach during the uh, scrimmage itself or the drill itself. You want to coach off the tape or off the film. So the more reps you get in, the better, and you can do all your coaching that way. But when you have depth, that's what you want to do. We've done that for years. I mean, it's something that that is uh, you know back to back. Coaches just turn around, one goes, the other goes, or you split your staff up and you're both watching it and it's all being taped and you rotate the players around and rotate the quarterbacks around and you do it. Now, one thing that I think we should discuss too is the snapping, which has been an issue as far as with Toro uh, Lobadon. Uh, you've heard me talk about this. I don't know how many times on the podcast or other shows I do. You've got to put somebody on the center and work on that all the time. You just can't start to do it in a scrimmage drill and have it ruin the whole drill because of the timing, you've got to have this stuff worked out and have that done so it doesn't ruin a drill. Where the quarterback, you remember, the whole thing starts with the center. And if the quarterback doesn't have the confidence the ball's going to be where it's supposed to be, it's hard for him to do his reads. He starts thinking about the staff more than he does the play. So I think these things have got to be done, and you and I have talked about it. Uh, you've got to do this as individual drills all the time, not to mess up the quarterbacks, but you've got to be able to give them confidence that the ball is coming to them, and you've got to practice that under live conditions before you get to team play, because when you get to team play, it messes up the whole thing. you got twenty, you got 22 players out there. they got to sit and wait because the ball was bad. Now you've wasted all your time, so I think that's got to be worked out, and also I'd like to see them spend a lot of time working with snaps uh, with the uh, quarterback under center, you got to do that, and if you start doing that more, I'll start to believe you're going to be doing more of that in your offense. But until I see that in workouts, it's hard for me to believe it.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of that. That I mean, I agree with you on the snapping issues, the last, especially the last couple of practices when the pads have come on, a lot more pressure from the defensive front. And, you know, just trying to – I'm not watching the offensive line all the time. Coach, you're more of an expert of that. That's what you coached there for years. But to see – Maybe, uh, you know, one guy not have the snap count right and not really block anybody or a, missing an assignment or, like you said, bad snaps or mishandled snaps. It does seem like at the point of attack to start the play, and maybe this is just a product of you got three new quarterbacks, it, it, it hasn't seemed to be all that smooth. There's some plays that are fine, you know, but that's, that's got to be like a 99% thing, right? You don't want to mess that up ever. Um, and it seems like that's, you know, and I don't know, is that typical? Does it take a little bit of time to get that, get, to get that going? Cause it seems like it's, it's a bit of an issue so far.
0: It's a rhythm and, you know, USC just have had that problem this year. They've had it for the last three or four years, snapping problems, because I think you need to spend time in doing it. Uh, you only, uh, play the way you practice and you got to practice as part of the football game. The snap is a very important part of the timing of the offense. So you've got to spend some time practicing that with the quarterbacks, not just having a manager or somebody tossing him the ball every time, but having a center there drilling the ball back and hitting somebody or dropping back or making a play or maybe having just two guards in a center there working on blocking with the snap during seven-on-seven. Seven. You've got to be able to do those type of things to get the timing down and the confidence of the quarterback that the ball is going to be where it is. And unless you work on those things, they just don't happen.
1: All right, coach. Um, Well, let's. Why don't we jump into some questions here? Because we had some people writing in about uh, fall camp. We had Tarek write in. He said, from the practice reports, it seems like Jack Sears is doing well. Do you see this three man battle eventually becoming a two man battle? And actually, Clay Hilton was asked about that last night. And what he said was, you know, no time soon. Uh, He said, if, you know, two people kind of separate themselves, they will do that. But he's not really you know, ready to do that at this point. And I was, I've was i been impressed with Jack Sears. He's hes completed a, a pretty high percentage of his passes, especially the first two days. Kind of uh, f- fallen off a little bit the last two. Uh, but I wouldn't say, like, there's only two. You know, it, it seems like they're all pretty close, but what are your thoughts on that, Coach?
0: Well, my thoughts are this. Uh, with all the publicity JT Daniels has gotten, it's going to take a lot of guts not to start him, okay? Because every preseason publication and and you guys, as far as the media, and I don't mean you guys, but all the media, that's all everybody's been talking about. JT Daniels, JT, JT, JT to this. The first question is, what did you think of JT? What did you think of JT? So not to start JT, is going to take a lot of guts there. They give him major coverage because of a tattoo he gets. I mean, when you think about all these things, the type of coverage that the athletic department puts out or whoever puts it out, I think it's ridiculous. You've got to treat all three of these guys the same so that whoever is the starter, everybody knows he's the real starter. So not to start JT is going to be a tough thing, but I think that it should be a real battle. I agree, and I like what they're doing as far as giving not rotation every play, but every five or six plays so a guy gets a feel of what's going on out there And as far as working with the offense or working with the defense, and you've got to do that today when they scrimmage the inside drill and play action pass and do the different things, which I hope they do, when they are doing the run game today, because it makes the defense be a little bit more honest on what they're doing. You just can't make it where the defense has all the, say, uh, uh, well, the advantages. And that's what the defense has had so far. You know, the defense is always ahead of the offense in fall camp, so I'm not concerned at all about that. But you've got to limit them, too, on what they do, so you can prepare an almost game plan what they're trying to do against you, because they can line up and do anything that these guys haven't even seen before. So I've always said that bring it along slowly, and then you've got to have some days, too, where the offense has success. But if you don't have success, they they get depressed, and they start to think they aren't any good. I got that from Tyler Bond's interview that you guys did. You know, he said he was tired of hearing about the defense, you know, doing so well, doing so well. And he even made the statement, he said that the defense should be ahead of the offense right now because really if a defensive guy makes a play, he's right, no matter what the call was. And uh, it's tougher on offense to make, uh, and they come along a little bit slower. But as far as the quarterbacks, I think you've got to get the right guy. And if you ask the team who should be the starter, they'd, know, they'd tell you.
1: Yeah, they'll know. <laughs> um, do, you, do you think it's, when you have a situation like that, uh, to go from three to two, I mean that that probably would be fairly demoralizing for the 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 guy that gets left out, and then the other two are still competing. But I don't know. I, I, would you rather just like name the starter right away, or would you like pare it down?
0: No, I think you know when uh people know. I think you've got to do it, but uh, it's a tough thing to be a coach. It really is a tough thing, and you've got to be able to make the decision. And if you've been in coaching long enough, you know who the best person is. You can't guess. You've got a staff that watched all the video and watches all the uh, the techniques and what you're trying to teach. And then again, you look at a player and you say, now what can we do with this quarterback? Like Sears and Fink can run. They can run. Did that, does that add to your offense? When JT plays, should we run more of a two-back type of set too because he isn't going to be the second running back while Sears and Fink can be the second running back? You've heard me talk about that. If you don't run your quarterback and you run a one-back set, It's easy for the defense because they don't care. They don't worry about the quarterback and his faking and so on. But if you have Sears and Fink and they run the ball uh, on the keep and the reads and different things, that opens up to your offense. So whoever you decide is going to be your quarterback, then you've got to sit back and say, okay, how do we utilize this guy where we take his talents, create an offense around him, which makes the offense better and him better. And this is what they have to decide to do, and I agree. It's difficult to make that decision who's one, two, and three. But that, as a football coach, is what you're getting paid for.
1: That is true. Um, hey, Coach, Real since we're recording this, we got some real-time news. This is something we had actually heard but couldn't confirm, and Joey Kaufman from the Orange, Orange County Register is reporting that Porter Gustin, according to a couple sources, um, and like I said, we had – a source that said this too, we just weren't able to confirm it. Um, a slight tear in his meniscus, his left knee, he's going to undergo surgery. It's usually a few weeks that you would miss. Um, so he could potentially miss the opener. Obviously it depends. You're having surgery, who knows? But that typically, I think it's like a two to four week sort of thing. Um, but the, the report is, you know, it could be a lot worse, a uh, slight meniscus tear. And uh, so we're likely not going to see Porter Gustin, uh, until UNLV at the earliest, I would guess.
0: I really feel bad about that. I really do. Uh, as a football coach and as a team, you wait for those reports. And uh, as you asked me earlier, is it depressing to the team and the coaching staff? It certainly is. Because there's a guy that's your leader and, uh, to have, and you know, how hard he's worked and how much he wants to be on the field and, To have that happen is really depressing because you got a lot lot of rehab and you got to come back and be careful and and all of the above. Uh, I really feel bad about that. But, you know, that's part of it. That's a game of football and uh, you got to move forward. And uh, you say, does it affect the team? Absolutely, it affects the team. Absolutely. So for people that say it doesn't affect the team, it's great. But then again, you got to look and say, hey, We'll go by the first one. We'll win the first one for you, Porter, but you'll be back for the second one. But really, the second and third games is where it really gears up, and this is when you have Stanford and Texas, and you got to be ready to go, and you got to make sure he's ready to go. You can't put it in there too early as uh, last year. Uh, I know him. He's the one who wanted to play last year after the surgery. I mean, you couldn't keep him out.
1: No, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be chomping at the bit to get back. Uh, so wish wish... Uh Porter, Augustin, a speed of recovery. We'll see. We'll let you know what uh, Clay Helton says after practice today, like I said. Um we got uh Nick from Cyprus. Uh he wrote in and said, Can you give me a couple of standouts on the defense and the offense uh from camp? And I'll give I'll just throw a couple out there, Coach, if there's anyone that you know you want to say. But um, like, you know, people don't see some of the new guys. I've really been impressed with both Devin Williams and and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown on the offensive side of the football. Uh, I've been impressed with uh, Elijah Griffin, uh, the cornerback on the, the defensive side of the football. Um, I think a, a guy like, you know, the, for, for new guys, but like a Jordan Iacefa, uh smart enough to really play anywhere. When you got some injuries at linebacker, they're going to be moving him around. They had him outside, they're moving him inside. I think he's been uh, really impressive. And you know, the quarterbacks, I think all of them have been pretty impressive to me. You know, JT Daniels being new. I think Jack Sears has played a lot better. I like the way Matt Fink's out there competing. So there's, I mean, it's early. There's only four practices in, but you know, there's a lot of guys I think that have been, uh, some doing some good things.
0: Well, yeah, there are. And, uh, you know, now it gets real, uh, when you get to the pads and, uh, I think it's great that these guys have done well and you've been at practices and you can recognize that. It's difficult for me to recognize that because I haven't been at practice yet. I'm planning on coming next week when it gets after it, when they get after it more. I've been somewhat on a mini vacation, so never get one of these, but, uh, I'm trying to get one in with my family. But, uh, uh, I you know, you, you more or less are evaluating people too and what they can do so you make sure you get them in the right position. I think Stephen Carr is a key. I think he's going to be a great player. We've talked about the running back situations. I think they're they've got some great backs. I think the tight end situation is something that they really got to explore, and I'll be watching that when I'm at practice because I think they haven't utilized the tight ends that much before as far as mismatches and slots and flanking them out and doing those type of things, putting a six six guy on a five nine corner if you can do that. So, I think I I, I want to watch that. And, and key to me is the offensive line. Who's really, uh, you know, who's really uh, uh, getting ready to play and who will get off the football and play on their side of the line of scrimmage and who won't lunge on pass blocking and get in the, get in the proper position and, and offensive backs. Uh, I know they can run, but I want to see how they pass block and don't lunge and, and make sure they pick up the people who are penetrating before they release for their routes. Don't have misleads and don't allow a delay stunt to fool you. On the defensive side, it's the corner play, as we've always talked, and and I think I'm going to try to evaluate them because you can't play Pettigrass' defense. You've heard me say this without having great corner play, and uh on the, the goal line type of situation, the red zone, yeah, the defense has done pretty good, but remember the field has been cut down now. There's not a lot of field to cover, and you know it's pass, so you can be a little bit more free as far as covering the pass but i think that you got to be able to evaluate all this in the open field and and uh and and look at this and that's what i'm planning on doing so i can't point out anybody who i think that's been really great but i'm looking forward to seeing just who can play and i'm looking forward to seeing this new kid from Mount Sac you know he's an outstanding player just had misfortune to have an incident which uh, can happen accidentally and uh, I hope now that he comes in and has an opportunity to play too and first and push people. Sounds like a mature kid and the more the competition, the better they should be. Now, I wouldn't play people just because they started before because they've started before. Uh, I would play people because they're the best and they've overcome and they matured better and they're hard nose better on the lines or, or wherever on the team. So I think that's something that the coaches have to determine. And You know, they don't have a lot of time to do that. And I don't think that's Really good. That's why I said earlier, you got four days less of practice. And that's a lot of time. That's a lot of practices that you don't have this year.
1: We got a uh, question from Jesse Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez. He's a retired sergeant in the U.S. Army. Uh, he says, hey, it's for Coach Hyde. I read and seen all the recent videos and articles on fall camp. Looks like the defense uh, is as normal, well ahead of the offense. Quarterbacks seem to be battling it out which is a great thing. I also watched the entire 2003 USC versus Auburn game. It seems to me that this current team is easily similar in the way the team was constructed. That team was constructed. New quarterbacks, experienced running backs, and so on. Does Coach Hyde believe this team is constructed, as constructed, can duplicate the play of the 2003 team? Love the show. Can't wait for the season to start. Fight on from the great Northwest.
0: Well, Sarge, I hope it can't. It certainly has the potential to play that way when you have the quarterback that you have, the top quarterbacks that you've recruited, running backs. You've got one of the top running backs in the country, and Ware has really developed into a great running back, along with the newcomer step and also Malapi. You've got tight ends, uh, and by the way, the two tight end commits, verbal commits that they have uh, gotten as far as from the kids from St. John, Bosco, and also from Monterey, I think those are great commits as far as for tight ends for 2019 that's verbally now they haven't signed or anything but you got to utilize these guys and and i and i think they have the the roster to do it they have the roster i don't think there's any excuses uh you can't come up with excuses you got to go out and play the game and you got to play at a usc level championship level every week you can't just go out well this week we're supposed to win and play at a different level you've got to be a good enough football team that you're supposed to beat certain teams You just go out, now you can't be maybe at the same emotional level. But we're just better than they are. We're just better than they are. Let's don't beat ourselves. Let's go out and beat them. Or if they're going to try to beat us, let them try to beat us. But you got to be able to put teams away, too. And that's something that USC hasn't been able to do. Uh, Put teams away. When you have a team down, put them away. Have them bring out the white flag and say we're ready to go home. So you've got to be able to do that, and, I, and I'm looking forward to that more of a killer type of instinct, tougher type of attitude, more than a fly-around type of player, not a player. And I want you to know, I think the kids have really played hard. I think the kids really play hard. It's making the right calls. Don't doing stupid things to beat yourself, because everybody else is trying to beat you, and if you do that, you've got a chance to have a great team. But remember, everybody's trying to win. You're not the only one. And there's more quality football players than ever before than 2013, 2010. The quality of player that teams have are better than they were there. It's not the same Pac-12 conference as it was then.
1: It's definitely not. Uh, It's it's changed a lot. And uh, comparing to the 2003 team for the last email, Kevin in North Tustin, compared to a more recent team, another SEC reference, he says, I heard your comment on the Podcast of Champions USC versus UCLA preview show about how you wouldn't be shocked about USC making the playoff this season. So that was what I was talking about. I'm not predicting that they'll make the playoff, but I think they're talented enough that it wouldn't be like the craziest thing that's ever happened. He said, I may be crazy, but I think we're this year's Georgia team. Ultra stout defense, playmakers on offense, just need a quarterback to hold it down. Feel like if any of these guys can beat Jake Fromm, We're in good shape. Thanks for the good work, Kevin in North Tustin. What do you think about what Kevin said, Coach? I agree
0: with him. I think that if you do the right things, it can be a problem. They can do exactly what Georgia did last year. They've got the running backs to do it, but they got to believe to run that type of offense. they got to believe that the running game is their key in the offensive line. Georgia pounds you, pounds you, and pounds you, and then throws the ball and play action pass and throws uh, high-percentage routes that a young quarterback has the opportunity of completing. And uh, if they play that type of game and they have rhythm in that type of game and they have an identity in that type of game, then they can do it. But they've got to have an identity, and we've talked about that many, many times. What is their identity on offense? And they've got to be able to run the ball, pass the ball, and do things that your quarterback can do and make it easy for him. If you make it easier for him, the better he can be put all the stress on your experienced players. And if you do that, then he'll become a better football player too by having their confidence in him and him too allowing them to make him a better player.
1: All right. We got one last one, Eric in Duck Country. So now this is interesting. So Eric's referring to something that Dan Weber said, but he wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, So Dan Weber said, the team seems to have a good cop, bad cop dynamic with Clay Helton playing the more positive role and a lot of the senior leaders on the team kind of being the enforcers. Do you think this is a good uh team culture to foster? So, Eric wants to know that if you think that, uh that's Eric and Duck Country coach.
0: Well, if you're if you're asking me uh as far as uh the the uh The toughness of the team, or you're asking me uh, the uh, put together of the staff and the team, as far as what their culture is and what how they appear to be, uh, I would say that Clay Helton is is a great recruiter and a great person and a and a coach that I'd want my son to play for. Okay, Uh, let's get that straight. But I think you also have to have enforcers, uh, guys that uh, that are on the field that. sort of uh, set the line on what is is expected, what's right, what's wrong, follow the rules, the dress, the uniforms, the time you get meetings, the time you do the pra- you're at practice, and and they know these guys uh, are the guys. They know you don't miss things, and these guys you're going to be seen if you don't do what you're supposed to do, and they coach the position the same way, and those two positions, I would say, would be the offensive line and defensive line. I think you've got to have that type of battle every day, You've got to have the coaches in a philosophy that those guys want to fight each other too and stick up for their players as far as if I'm being held, don't ever do that again to one of my players. And if your defensive lineman ever hits one of my offensive linemen in the face again, well, I'm going to retaliate. Really, you're not. But a lot of that is staged between the coaches to bring this morale of both defensive and offensive units together. I think the offensive side of the ball needs one of those. The defensive side of the ball needs an Ed Orgeron with his voice and hollering and belling all over the field, and so does the offensive side of the football. Then you've got to have the coolness of a quarterback coach and the respect of your quarterbacks of the quarterback coach, and he never wants to uh, rile up his quarterback, whether it's a, a bad throw or a good throw. He wants to talk and develop the confidence in his quarterbacks in him and what he says, and same with the defensive backs. You've got to be able to coach those guys because they play the most biggest role on your defensive side of the football as far as on the line of scrimmage and also in pass coverage. But I agree. I think you have to have a culture where you have a little bit of mixture of both on a football field. And I think that kindness is not weakness. And I think you've got to be able to have that enforcement all the time, often on the field.
1: The, uh, you know, it's funny... Um... There seems to be, you know, Clay Hilton talked about this a little bit. Maybe the players having a bit of a chip on their shoulder um, for a couple reasons. One being what you saw, you know, the end of last year with the uh, the Cotton Bowl. And I think really sometimes the the media perception and, and not a lot of people are pro- projecting this team to do great things. And I think they're kind of using that as a, as a bit of an incentive. I don't know if it's like bulletin board material, but it seemed to give them a little bit more of a, hey, we're going to go out and prove something. Um, I don't know if you've seen that at all, Coach, or if you think that's a good thing, but it seems like it's a good thing.
0: No, I agree with you. They were embarrassed, okay? They were embarrassed against Ohio State, and they were embarrassed against Notre Dame, and they know they were. I mean, there's no question about it. You're not going to try to talk your way out of that. They were embarrassed, and uh, they had to live with that. And whenever you lose your last game of the year, you've got to live nine months with it. It's not a lot of fun reading about it, hearing about it, talking about you're not physical, this and that. I remember when I was at UNLV my second year, we were playing and uh, for a bowl game. And uh, we were up, and the bowl committee had already come down and decorated our locker room to present us the invitation to go to the bowl game. And we, we screwed it up in the fourth quarter, and they scored on the last play of the game, the bold committee came down, tore everything down our locker room, and moved it over to the other locker room. I mean, and I remember telling the team that this would never happen again. This would never happen again. We'd never allow anybody to take away something we've worked so hard for. Never, never. And I mention that every single practice, every single practice, every single day that we will not allow this to happen. And I'll tell you what, the next year, we went undefeated in conference. We went 11 and 2. Our only losses were to SMU when they had one of the greatest teams in America. They beat, um, they beat Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl and we lost to uh, a team in Hawaii that was uh, the University of Hawaii when they won the WAC that year. But we went 11 and 2 and we went to bowl game. Because you've got to remember why you lost. You always remember the games you lose. You don't really remember the games you win. It's, it's a terrible thing to say, but you remember when you're, you've had your heart ripped out. And I think these kids feel like they're embarrassed and they wouldn't play, they didn't play up to their ability and they, and, uh, they didn't give it the effort they should have. And I, I think that that's something you've got to push on. And say it can't happen again. You can't let that happen again. And you're the one that determines if it happens again. Not me. I'm not on the field as a coach. You are as a player. If you didn't like that feeling, let's make a difference. You'll make the difference. And that's the way I used it that one year, and it worked.
1: All right. Well, that's the coach, Harvey Hyde, sharing his wisdom about what's going on at USC Fall Camp. We look forward to seeing you out there soon. Coach, and I'm looking forward to uh, checking out the first fully padded practice. We can't really talk to anyone after practice, but Coach Helton, and that's what's going to be important. We'll get the full update on what's going on with Porter uh, Gustin, but I just wanted to kind of see them bang around a little bit. I think you'd like it, Coach, because they're going to supposedly emphasize the run game a lot more. I will watch to see if they're under center more than uh, what they've been before, so I'll let you know, Coach, uh, what I see out there.
0: Well, good. I tell you, you got to run the football. You've heard me say this and you got to be able to utilize your personnel, depending if you're going to run your quarterback or not and, uh, and get your best players on the field. And, uh, that's part of it. You've got to give the run game a chance. You can't let the defense just line up and get up their linebackers up there close and shoot the gas because they don't have any worry about screens or draws or passes or so on. You got to give them a chance where they're successful and, uh, with that, uh, you get better and better every day in every way. Now, if you would give me just an opportunity to talk about passing a quarterback yes. club, that's uh, I was going to do that, Coach.
1: That, that's the last thing on my agenda. I forgot to do it at the top, so let's do that.
0: Is it now time to do that? Perfect, yes. All right. Uh, you know, I sort of work with the Passing a Quarterback Club and, and do a lot of the program booking, and I want all of our listeners to know that are Trojan fans, or any fans. You don't have to be a Trojan fan. Just a football fan, that Clay Helton is going to be our first speaker on August the 31st at the University Club in Pasadena. Can you imagine he's going to be speaking there 23 hours before kickoff against UNLV? This is a super guy. And uh, the University Club is in Pasadena. Anyone is welcome. Uh, We've got a great food buffet. You can't top it. Ballet parking, the whole package. And I suggest you go to passingaquarterbackclub.com. That's PassingTheQuarterback.com, and uh, see how you get your tickets. We've got a great speaker lineup as far as Dan Guerrero is going to be speaking. The AD from Washington State is going to be speaking. We've got Jake Olson who's going to be speaking on October the 5th. If you haven't had a chance to hear Jake speak, that would be a great one. Sam Farmer from the L.A. Times, he's going to be speaking October the 18th. We've got a great group. Oh, here on the uh, 25th, the athletic director from Utah is going to be speaking. And uh, it, it's great. The L.A. Rams uh, uh, is going to have their, uh, let's see, what is he? He's the business and, and administrator uh, right under uh, Kevin uh, Deminoff. He's going to be speaking. So it, it's going to be Bill Plath. He's going to be speaking. I'm not going to go on and on and on, but uh, we'd like you to be a part of it. It's open to the public. Come on up and Friday, on Friday afternoon and enjoy great football.
1: Yeah, I went last year, and, it's uh, and you know, to Coach today he's like, a part of it, he's basically the whole thing. Like the coach runs everything. You know, he's there, booking all the guests, doing the stuff. And Clay Helton, uh, you know, he just had a great time. He was he had to go to a meeting uh, last year. He had to go to a staff meeting, but he stuck around and took pictures with everyone. So if you want to get some access to Clay Helton within 24 hours of the game, which I don't think you could do anywhere else, uh, definitely you want to show up on August 31st, and uh, I think it would be a really good thing.
0: I do. Now, let me tell you, come a little early. We start a little bit early because we have a big crowd at that. you got plenty of seats and great seating, great food. I would get there, plan on getting there. We starting about eleven fifteen. The program starts at 12, and you'll be out of there by 1. I yeah. told Coach Helton he'll be out of there by 1. Now, it's his fault if he doesn't leave at 1, okay? And I think now, last I year he left, 1:30 he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> he left at 1.30 or something. Yeah.
0: He left at 1.30. He was kissing babies and signing autographs and, and the whole thing. Women? Please, we encourage you come. It's open to the public. Okay.
1: It's great. You got the whole schedule, and it's also up at PasadenaQuarterbacks.org. You can find it there too. But the full schedule is there, um, and then you can uh, you know buy tickets. And I'll be there. So looking forward. Looking forward to that again, Coach. We get some uh, our little media friends would sit up there, and it's 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 a good time.
0: Good. Well, Ryan, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I'm looking forward to seeing you at practice. And Ryan, you're going to be on uh My show tomorrow night, USC Trojan Talk, Uh and uh I want to remind everyone, if you'd like to see it reversed, where I ask Ryan the question, yes. he doesn't ask me, <laughs> uh, listen to the show, go to KSHP, that's KSHP.com, and hit listen live. Now, I don't have the app, I wish I had the app, but I'll tweet that out. Go to my tweet at Coach Harvey Hyde at Coach Harvey Hyde and you'll get the information on that. But Ryan, I'm looking forward to that too. That'll be great because I'm going to reverse the role.
1: Yes. I always like going on with you, Coach, and then you ask me questions. I try to ask you one every once in a while. It's hard. It's you know, I'm normally asking you the questions and you get to ask me the questions, but it's fun. You get a little different feel of things, and I'm looking forward to coming on the show.
0: Well, we want to thank you very much because I know you've got you're a busy guy. You'll be on right after practice and you'll have update you'll be right there on top of it people can't get it any quicker as far as on a thursday the night yeah. uh, than what you'll do on the show
1: Believe me right from practice i'll give you the update so that'll be good pretty much live cool.
0: good buddy again i want to thank all of our listeners for joining us uh, and again uh, guys have a great week
1: all right yeah thank you coach follow me on twitter at coach harvey Hyde. you can follow me at inside troy heading back out to practice today Daily thing. They take Sundays off, but pretty much every other day you got practice. So thank you guys all so much for listening to our little show, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert sports and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at one 800 888 7287 one 800 888 7287 That's one 800 Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.